Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Right, let me start first with the Home Run Derby. Home Run Derby, to me, is a weird, weird event. And while normally weird is good, it's not in this case. It's just weird. And it's almost like MLB knows it, too, which is why they continue to tweak the event. There have been so many format changes and adjustments from outs to timers to seating. It's kind of hard to keep track of what the hell this thing actually is. That is, if you're even interested in this sort of thing. And I'll tell you who's not. Zach Granke. Granke said it last night before it all went down. Quote, I expect the home run derby will be boring and I'll leave early. End quote. Listen, I don't agree with everything this guy says or does, but I could not agree with him more on that point. The home run derby generally is boring and I generally do leave early. That is, if I bother to show up at all for it. Truth. It's glorified batting practice with weird rules. Most years, I would rather watch guys play pepper than watch a home run derby. Most years. But I've got to say, this year, Zach and I were both wrong. Because last night was anything but boring. And if you left early, then you missed everything. Well, not everything. Because the intros did feature an absurd firework display. And Bryce Harper rocking just about every version of an American flag and a DC flag that you could possibly imagine. From his bandana to his shoes to his bat, everything else. This guy was repping hard. And on flag flare alone, he pretty much won the night. But then he went out and he ripped the title and he did it in dramatic fashion. He beat Freddie Freeman in the first round. Max Muncy in the second round. Then came the final round. Kyle Schwarber put up 18, meaning Harper had some work to do. And that work became even tougher when he was down 18-9 with time running out. The guy needed to do something amazing to tie Schwarber, and then he did. Nine home runs in 47 seconds to tie it up. And then the guy launches the second pitch of extra time over the center field fence. There is your winner. Thanks for coming. The word epic is epically overused. But that truly was epic. Nine home runs in 47 seconds. Even if it was nothing more than glorified BP. Still, it was a reminder of who this guy is as a player. And perhaps even more importantly for the sport of baseball, who he is as a star. That was a moment for a star. Stars come through in spots like that. That's exactly what Harper did. He said afterwards that he saw his mom getting a little bit worried as the clock ticked down. But he didn't panic. Quote, it's like, okay, guys, don't worry. I got this. We'll get this done. End quote. Hey, listen, don't get this twisted either. This guy had to have that. This guy in particular needed that. Because I don't care how many bombs he has in the first half. I don't care how many times he's walked. I don't care how many times they've shifted on him. He had a bad first half. A bad first half for a guy like that. A bad first half for a guy in a walk year. A bad first half because he recently got lit up by his manager for not hustling out a ground ball, which was a terrible look. Fact. I'll give you another fact. It's cost him some dough in this, his walk year. Manny Machado has had a better first half. Much better. Manny Machado is more deserving of the ridiculous payday that we all assumed that Bryce Harper would get. He'll still get paid. But that first half cost him money, and it dinged his rep a little bit. So this dude needed this badly. He needed it for him. He needed it for his team. He needed it for the district, and he knows it. Quote, it's unbelievable. We have some of the best fans in baseball, and to be able to do that with my family out there, that's an incredible moment, not only for me, but for the organization and Nationals fans. I am very blessed and humbled, end quote. Again, whether you like this guy or not, you have to appreciate that moment. It's rare that you can say something that happened in the Home Run Derby was incredibly cool, but that really was incredibly cool. And that event is anything but incredibly cool. I mean, fact is also, there's a really good chance this might be his last season in Washington. So to do that in his own stadium, in front of his own crowd, with his old man pitching, and the old man gets his own take, by the way. The old man gets his own take, which I'll get to a little bit later on. To do all of that was pretty sweet. 
because this year has been so bad. It's almost to the point where people are starting to wonder, is Bryce Harper even who we thought he was? Or has he really only had that one great season and a bunch of not so good and kind of injured seasons? In other words, everything about this season was going horribly. And that's what made last night to me even more impressive. Like if this guy came in hitting 300 with 30 home runs and then did that, it would have been cool. But the fact that he was able to dial it up when he's not hitting like that, when he's barely over the Mendoza line, says a lot about the guy. So, finally, if you had any doubts about him as a competitor or a star, those were erased with nine home runs in 47 seconds. This guy's still a star. Whether he's hitting 214 or 314, this dude's a star. Last night he was doing star things. And I got to tip my hat. I normally have no use for that at all. I've got no need for the home run competition ever. Honey, it's lame. Last night was pretty awesome. My guest is Kevin Millar. Kevin, it's so good to have you back. What's up? How are you? Jimmy, what's up, brother? Kevin, everything's good here. How about you? How's life? I tell you what, D.C.'s hot. We're hoping this rain holds off. The boys are just leaving for the red carpet, so it uh, looks good, man. Good, good to hear it. All right, so what did you make of what you saw last night from Bryce Harper in Home Run Derby? You know what I love? The last two years, this Home Run Derby's done an awesome job of adjusting to time, the timeouts. Tony Bikini and Manfred Major League Baseball, I think, made a huge improvement to it. It's not quite as long and at times boring. Now you've got excitement. And what Bryce Harper was able to do the last minute and a half, I mean, you saw the pressure that Pops was under throwing balls at him, and I'm like, oh, no, he's going to tank it just now throwing strikes. Next thing you know, Bryce got on fire. The home crowd kind of went nuts. And uh, it reminds you of the Todd Frazier situation that went on in Cincinnati back in the day. I think that was a 2012-ish. And uh, the excitement that just, it's awesome. It was pretty amazing. Kevin Millar joining us. You know, you talk about pressure, Kevin. There's been a lot of talk about what's going on with Bryce in the first half. Is he kind of pressing? Is he trying to do too much? But you made the point before the Derby that you did not feel like he'd be feeling that pressure. What made you think so? Yeah, you know, the the word pressure, like once you get out of your environment, which is like, let's just use an example. I was saying, like, you know, you go to these golf events, this American Century deal, and also you're, you know, you're a good golfer, but this is not quite your element there's an amount of pressure of making that eight-foot par putt to save par. Once you're in your element, like hitting bombs, Bryce Harper's been hitting bombs on the cover of Sports Illustrated since he was 16, and, you know, there's no pressure other than he wants to win this really bad, and you're doing it in front of your hometown. But when you have the ability to hit balls 500 feet and as strong as Bryce is and batting practice from his dad since he was two, I don't know how much pressure that is. This is called fun excitement uh you know the guy's gonna make 200 plus million dollars after this year uh so it's got to be just a fun time and that's the one thing i look at bryce and say hey have more fun have more fun smile give kids knuckles like you are nailing life there's no pressure though kevin millar joining us you mentioned strength like the kid's strong the guy's strong so let me ask you this kevin what's more impressive bryce harper's home runs or his dad's forearms and biceps. Were you able to get a good look at those things last night? Yes. First of all, the beard. Let's just not sleep on the, the right. jet black dyed beard who looks like he can bench press half of the stadium with the arms. And, yes, Bryce Harper's dad is awesome looking. Uh, but the, the, the power and the torque that all these guys have in the home run derby. Let's not sleep on like an Alex Bregman who everybody's thinking, oh, man, he doesn't quite have a home run swing. And next thing you know, he goes up and puts on a great display. I think everybody did a great job. And uh, it, it's such a fun a fun scene, you know, for an all-star game because it's for the fans. At the end of the day, this is all for the fans. Hit bombs, juice the balls, whatever it is or not. Go just hit bombs in a lot of them, and I think we've seen that last couple of years. Kevin Millar joins us, and to your point, let's not sleep on that jet black dyed beard. It was awesome. One of the great face sweaters ever. It's Tuesday, and the Daily Jungle is brought to you by Fan Exchange. Don't look now, but baseball season is already half over. Have you been to a game yet? Stop putting it off. Now is the time to get to the yard. 
bust on over to FanExchange.com for a safe, easy, and reliable experience. A great experience. Tickets purchased on FanExchange are always guaranteed. There's no getting to the gate and then worrying about getting in. FanExchange gets you closer to the action. Find the very best seats at the best prices at FanExchange.com. Use the promo code ROME. Again, promo code Rome and get 50% off the service fees on your next purchase. Fan Exchange, we have tickets. Listen, there's a report from USA Today, Kevin, a few minutes ago, that barring a last-minute snag, the Orioles are going to trade Manny Machado to the Dodgers tomorrow. What is your reaction to that news? And if that goes down, what do you think about that fit? Yeah, it's crazy. We've, we, we've, we've kind of went three different teams. We've heard Brewers early, then the Yankees stepped in, and then the Phillies were going to be the team, and now it's the Dodgers. So until this thing happens, uh, I'm not real sure, but let me tell you, Bryce is a game changer. He's a lineup changer. He's an organizational changer. It's interesting because you would think you would only go to a few teams that can afford maybe to extend him down the road after the season. Uh, I do think the Orioles missed out on trading Bryce Harper. Chris Rose made this point like last year, before the year started, said they need to trade Bryce Harper now. I'm like, no way, not yet. Use them. See where they're at. You never know. Shock the world. And here you are, probably not going to get a big enough package, which you could have gotten for him a year and a half ago because no team that's renting you for three months wants to give up five prospects for a guy like Machado. But the Dodgers, obviously, are a team that maybe could sign him down the road, uh, one of the few high-revenue clubs out there. It'll be interesting if it does happen to Los Angeles Dodgers. You know, L.A., Think about it. LeBron James to the Lakers, and now if they get this Manny Machado deal done, are you kidding me, Jimmy? This is where you want to be. It's unreal. I mean, I wonder, Kevin, what would they do? I mean, would you give up what you have to give up just to rent this guy because Corey Seager's hurt? I mean, Corey Seager's the guy at short. Machado, I mean, he's not going to change positions for them, would he? Well, I, I think that's got to be discussed behind the scenes, right? You would think that, hey, if this happens at some point, if Seager comes back, if they do give you a long-term deal, you know, money talks. You know how it is. If they told Jim Rome you're going to play left field instead of third base, but we're going to give you $297 million. Yes. Dude, yep, sounds great. Yes. Sign me up. Yes. I'll catch for you. Yes. So I think at the end of the day, you know, it's about making money, period, end of story. Then we worry about our legacy of where we're going to hit the most home runs at, like, you know, and then you go from there. I, I, just, I just think that Dodgers are new and all that this happens. Kevin Millard joins me for another moment or two. You know, Kevin, what it means is he's not going to be, at least for the foreseeable future, not in the AL East. So he doesn't go to the Red Sox. He doesn't go to the Yankees. I've got to ask you about the Red Sox, who have been playing lights out. How impressed have you been with the way J.D. Martinez, who signed that contract in February and wasted absolutely no time having a huge impact on that team, even with all that pressure, because you know what it's like to play in that town. It's not for everybody. Yeah, you're exactly right. The makeup to sign a player to go play in Boston is number one. You look at this guy. He's been released by the Astros years before. He's now rejuvenated his career hitting with Miguel Cabrera and the Detroit Tigers. He's a student of the game, a student of offense, and now probably is the most dominating last couple year right-handed hitter that we've seen in this game in a long time since the prime of Pujols, prime of Manny Ramirez, prime of Miguel Cabrera. You're looking at J.D. Martinez, who's done amazing stuff at the dish, and now hasn't skipped a beat going to Boston. And now you look at a guy like Mookie Betts, who's hitting 360, who's making this game look easy. The Red Sox, we don't talk even enough about, I think, because it's just they're not as glorified as the six foot nine Aaron Judge or eight. And then you got the Stanton sign that's making $300 million. They're tall and gorgeous. But what the Red Sox have done in Alex Cora, give them credit. We always talk about the negatives of David Price and Fortnite and all this stuff. This is a great team, and they really are a great team and a great group of guys. The Yankees and Red Sox being good are better for baseball, Jimmy. They're probably both going to win 100 games. If they both want to win the division, you don't want to end up in a wild card game with 100 wins because anything can happen. Uh, You know, there's a lot of teams. Seattle Mariners we haven't talked enough about. You know, what they've done to stay right with Houston. We talk about their five starters, but the Mariners have been within the striking business all year long. So there's some great stories in baseball. Nationally, flip a coin in the West. I have no idea what's going on. And uh, I think the Phillies and the Braves have been a remarkable story in the East. And the Bats kind of been third place all year. Uh, so we'll see what kind of second half they'll run. It's been a fun year in baseball. It's been a great year so far. I know it's a big day for you, Kevin. I can't let you go, though, without asking about the fact that you were hanging out with Eric Burns. My man Eric Burns earlier this month. How yeah. did that go? Let me tell you right now. I don't know if you've had a chance to get up to Martyrs Camp, but it's like the rich folks' heaven. <laughs> 
up there in Lake Tahoe, Truckee, and you are just, you could drop the kids off. They have equestrian from bowling alleys to zip lining to arts classes, and then the men could jump out and go play some golf at the finest golf course I've ever been on. Uh, Burnsy, I don't know. I mean, I looked at the baseball reference. Uh, he made a little bit of money. Uh, I didn't know he had made $500 million to live at Artist Camp. I love this guy. He's changing lives. Let them play foundation. Uh, you know, he's getting ready to go bike and run all the way to South Bend, Indiana. Then from South Bend, he's going to jog to New York. I love this guy. You have a chance to get around Eric Burns. Do it for an entire day, week. But uh, remarkable, remarkable time we had last week. Give me a minute so I can talk to you about one of my favorite new products, Bespoke Post. It delivers a monthly-themed box of awesome, full of goods to upgrade your style, your apartment, and your life. I'm talking about all sorts of box themes, style, grooming, cooking, drinking, or travel. Bespoke Post has new boxes every single month that you are guaranteed to dig, and no commitments either. Bespoke Post scouts out quality and unique products from around the world and then delivers them to you every single month without high retail markups. To get started, visit boxofawesome.com, answer a few short questions, and then they'll get a feel for the boxes that will best go with your style. To receive 20% off your first subscription box, go to boxofawesome.com and enter promo code ROME at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com. Promo code Rome. Get 20% off your first box. Again, bespoke post, theme boxes for guys that give a damn. Back to the phones in a minute, but I want to talk about Le'Veon Bell. Because mid-July means a couple of different things. The MLB All-Star break, the Open Championship. Maybe if you're lucky, you get to escape to a lake house for the lake life for a few days. Oh, and it means... Le'Veon Bell and the Steelers are disagreeing about a contract. Again, you see, the sports calendar has got this rhythm to it. January and the first week of February is for the NFL playoffs and the Super Bowl. March brings madness. April, you have the Masters. May is the run for the Roses. June brings the NBA Finals. And July brings Le'Veon contract talks. Every year it feels like something's going to get done, and then it doesn't. At this time last year, they came close to getting a deal done, and then it didn't happen. This year, again, they reportedly came very close to getting a deal done before yesterday's 4 p.m. deadline, and again, it just did not happen. Which means that he is once again going to play under the franchise tag, and that means it may very well be his last season in Pittsburgh. Because while Bell is on a 14.5 mil tag this year, and that's something the Steelers are willing to do, there is no way that they'll pay for him to be on that tag next year at nearly 25 mil. They're not doing that. Bell tweeted, To all my Steeler fans, my desire always has been to retire a Steeler. Both sides worked extremely hard today to make that happen, but the NFL is a hard business at times. To the fans that had hope, I'm sorry we let you down, but trust me, 2018 will be my best season to date. Fantasy alert. He just said it. 2018 will be my best season to date. That might be your ultimate fantasy alert. In the meantime, according to NFL.com, he turned down a $70 million deal yesterday, which when you look at it or you listen to it, it sounds completely and utterly insane. You're 26. A five-year deal takes you into your 30s. 70 mil is a boatload of money. Why would you turn that down? Well, according to Ian Rappaport, it's not 70 mil. Only 33 mil is guaranteed money. So in Bell's eyes, he wasn't turning down 70 million. He was turning down 33 million. And the conflict here is pretty simple. The Steelers are willing to pay for the position. Bell wants to be paid as a player. And the reason why something's not getting done is because they're both right. The Steelers are right to say, we'll pay you like the best running back in the NFL. But we're not going to pay you like the best running back in the NFL and as a number two wide receiver. They're right when they say that. Bell is saying, don't pay me for my position, pay me for my production. Don't pay me as a running back, pay me as a playmaker and game breaker. Forget about where I line up and instead focus on what I do. 
which is break records every year. And when he says that, he's right. They're right, and he's right. Unstoppable force meet immovable object. And both of you meet continued drama. They reportedly offered him 14 mil per year, but not all of it's guaranteed. Bell reportedly wants 17 mil, which is more than double, more than double the second highest paid running back in the league. But again, he would argue, I'm not a running back. In fact, he'd probably try and make the argument. He won't say it publicly, but Antonio Brown makes more than him, and he'd probably try and argue that he's more valuable, quote unquote, than Antonio Brown. Listen, it's not my money, but the guy is worth it. He's that good. And the Steelers are that good with him. They're a Super Bowl challenger with him. They're not as good without him. I understand how that position has been marginalized. They're not as good a team without him. They're not a 13-win team without him. What are they? A 10-win team? An 11-win team? Maybe. But they're not a 13-win team without him. Which is why you now hear the threat that he's going to hold out this season. Now he's going to hold out, allegedly. Yeah, I doubt that. I doubt that because that would cost him nearly 900 grand a week. I've heard the argument about wanting to save the tread on the tires to make sure he hits free agency next year fresh and not risk injury. Right. But not at the risk of losing nearly a mil per week. Not for the privilege of not playing so you can save yourself for free agency because that's money you never get back. It'd be nearly impossible to get that money back. You're going to tell me this guy's going to hold out? and risk losing 900 girl a week? Sure he's not. But you can pretty much bet that we'll get a repeat of what we saw last year. A no-show for training camp, he'll report at the last minute, and then he'll start cashing checks. And that's the biggest problem for Bell. He may be worth what he says he's worth, but he's probably never going to see it. Not from the Steelers, and not on the open market. Because the ugly truth is, he's probably not going to get that money when he goes out there looking for it. I respect that he wants it. Football is a brutal game. You're always one play away from having your career end. So you've got to get what you can while you can and get as much as you can. I get that. I respect that. If I were him, I'd try too. Just know that whatever you get, it's probably not going to be what you're worth or what you think you're worth or what you want. Again, I would ask if I were him, I just would not expect to get it. Cross one thing off your already growing to-do list and get to Stamps.com. Stamps.com never closes. You can print postage for letters or packages at your convenience 24-7. You can also print postage for any mail class right from your own computer. And you have the exact amount of postage every single time. You never underpay and you never overpay. And my favorite thing about Stamps.com is it saves you time and money, which you can put back into your business. You can grow your business that way. I can mail any letter, any package by using just my computer and printer, and then the mailman will come and pick it up. I love it. I have used Stamps.com for a long time because it is so fast, it is so easy, it is so convenient, and it does save me money. Right now, you too can enjoy the Stamps.com service with a special offer, which includes a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale. All you have to do is go to stamps.com, hit the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in jungle. Once again, I love this service. I know you will too. Go to stamps.com and enter jungle. Robert Klemko is my guest. Robert, good morning. Great to have you back. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good, good. So you've got this great piece, I think, for MMQB, which is up and went up yesterday. A lot to cover, but let me start with the Cornerback Academy. What is the Cornerback Academy? How did that start, and who are the guys who are there? So I don't know if you, you've followed this, but Larry Fitzgerald over the years has kind of quietly had some of the best receivers uh, around the NFL work out with him at different parts of the offseason um, up in Minnesota uh, and sometimes down in Arizona. So the cornerbacks have been watching that for years, and some of the top cornerbacks in the league have talked about getting cornerbacks together for something like that. And, of course, they wanted to you know, make it official and have a name for it and have T-shirts. And, and Richard Sherman and Akeem Tlaib and, and several other guys um, decided to invite the top 10, 12 cornerbacks in the league, in their opinion, to Stanford 
um, and they got on a field at Stanford University in, in uh, Palo Alto and worked out for two days and watched film um, for two days and stayed in $500 a night hotels because that's what a, a typical hotel costs around there right now. Uh, and they basically just kind of fine-tuned their game and talked about what made them great as they watched film. Robert Klemko joining us. So they did that, and then you had a chance to uh, spend some time with Richard Sherman, which is always time well spent. He had lots to say about his time with the Seahawks. What's your sense as to how he feels when he looks back on that time in Seattle? You know, I think that a lot of those guys, including Richard, who you know were starters or were part of the Legion of Boom, who are no longer there, there feel as though something was really squandered, an opportunity was squandered. And they understand, you know, why they didn't win that second Super Bowl, that play at the goal line, that incredible interception by Malcolm Butler. But they felt like they should have been in line, in line to win three or four Super Bowls. Um, and Richard, I think, felt like, you know, as he told me, that the Seattle organization has lost its way, that some of the things that really defined it, um, that sense of competition and that, guarantee that the best man was going to win the job regardless of his draft status or how much money he was making that that sort of went away robert klemko covering the nfl for sports illustrated also a friend of the program as i mentioned you know he also said that he signed with the 49ers and he told you that a big part of that was because of jimmy garoppolo so what did you make of his assessment of garoppolo yeah you know he uh, he was adamant that garoppolo was you know really going to be a great quarterback in this league. He, he, he said there were two quarterbacks that he was, you know, wanted to play for when he became a free agent, Kirk Cousins and Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, if you can believe that. Huh. Um, he had a lot of respect for Kyle Shanahan's scheme. He feel, feels like Kyle Shanahan is one of the best play callers and offensive minds in the NFL. He liked the money. It was, it was the best money he was getting offered. Uh, and I think that San Francisco had that confidence because Robert Sala is running the same defense that – Sherman is coming from in Seattle because Salo was kind of raised in that system, having been a quality control coach in Seattle in the beginning of, of Richard's career. So there are a lot of factors there. But, yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo, he's a big fan of him, uh, likes his demeanor, likes the way he carries himself. Um, and and he, uh, Richard is just convinced and will defend this guy to the death. He thinks he's no fluke. Huh. Robert Klemko joining us. Now, you spoke to Aqib Tlaib as well, who joined the Rams, which means he's playing for a head coach who is less than three weeks older than him. Do I have that right? <laughs> and if so, what does yeah. he make of the Rams and the potential, their potential? Well, you know, he's excited about uh, playing with, with um, Marcus Peters. And, and I think, you know, it's funny, a lot of these DBs, they kind of frown upon guys that make their bones in the NFL and get picks in zone-heavy schemes because they feel like they get exposed when they, they end up on defenses that require a lot of man. Right. Uh, and Marcus Peters and, and, Akib, and uh, Akib Talib are two guys that have really played great man defense over the course of their careers. And just recently here, especially with Marcus Peters, have been asked to do a lot of it. So these guys have a tremendous amount of respect for each other. And I think it's going to be a kind of a big brother, little brother type situation where Talib is, is mentoring this guy on the finer points of the game. What a lot of people don't know about Akib Talib is how great he is. Uh, at the X's and O's, at the film side of it. He doesn't seem like a genius, kind of the way he carries himself and, you know, ripping chains off people's necks, but he's got a lot of respect uh, around the league for, you know, his football smarts. And then rejoining Wade Phillips, where they had one of the best defenses in NFL history, you know, with the Broncos a couple of years ago, two, three years ago, um, I think that's great for Tlaib, and I think it's, it's going to be really great for Peters. I don't know how long it's going to last, just because, Talib is kind of a football mercenary. You know, this is his fourth team in a great NFL career. Um, and when kind of the chips are down and the team starts struggling, uh, Akib will call people out. And, you know, that doesn't always work. But I know that they're going to win some football games with him. Robert Klemko joins us. All right, so what are your thoughts on Pittsburgh and Le'Veon Bell? They do not come to terms on a multi-year deal. He's going to play under the franchise tag again. So where does that leave the Steelers and Bell? You know, I think that that relationship is fractured to the point where um, after this season, he won't play another game for them. Obviously, they have the opportunity or the, or the, you know, the chance to keep franchise tagging him. But you know, I think there's a very real chance that this guy won't play 16 games this year. And maybe it's not him just outright saying, "I'm going to sit for the first 10 games of the season and come out play in the second half," because he's going to take 
so much crap for that. And also, he's going to lose about $850,000 a week if he does something like that. Um, but if he shows up and reports and then has an ankle injury in training camp, I won't exactly be surprised. Hmm. Uh, I think that you know he ends up playing for a new team in 2019, that they go a different way. And I get it from the, uh, the Steelers' perspective. I mean, how do you justify paying a running back more than Antonio Brown in today's NFL? As, as long as you have the quarterback and you have the wide receiver, the, the running back position has become kind of a, a revolving door for most successful teams. Robert Klenko joining us. Of course, he would argue that he's not a running back, but uh, I mean, I see, I, I actually, to a certain extent, Robert, I see both sides of this, but I definitely see the team side too. Before you go, I got to ask you, you went offline for a few days to hike the Colorado Trail and to go on your first ever camping trip. Before I get into the details, how did the trip come to be? And then what did you do to prepare for something like that? You know, I think me and a buddy were just kind of sitting around, and, and I'd never really gone hiking, and I've lived out here in Colorado for three years, and most of these guys, you know, they have a shorthand for it. They, they call climbing these mountains doing 14ers, I guess, reaching 14,000 feet. And we didn't exactly reach that. We got up to 10,000, but I said, yeah, I'll, I'll try it out. And it was a two-man thing, and it ended up being 31 miles in, in four days, or three days and, and four nights. And honestly, <laughs> I don't know if I'd do it again anytime soon but uh it was a blast man just uh being out there all alone and 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 you know feeling a little bit dangerous there's not many roads nearby there's not emergency services or anything like that it gives you a little perspective and it's also nice to get away from twitter for a while no that's probably the best part but what was the camping experience like what did you do for food water how was it to camp for the first time you know that at like outdoor stores like army navy surplus store they sell these uh dehydrated foods and sure. flash boil water and then just pour like a cup of water and what they're calling lasagna. And then it's just like mashed up pasta in a plastic bag. It wasn't great. I mean, I lost four pounds on the trip. And of course, the other big topic of All-Star Weekend are the potential trades. Of course, you've got the Manny Machado sweepstakes, which depends on what you see and who you believe. It swings one way or another, depending on who you ask. There's one report that says that he could be a Philadelphia Philly in a matter of days. And then you see him posing for picks in the clubhouse with members of the Yankees. But then, if you ask Manny's nephew, well, Manny's nephew has thoughts. Your uncle yeah. plays for the Baltimore Orioles. If he's not in the Orioles, what would you like to see your uncle? Oh, which team? You pick. Yankees. Oh, the Yankees. He picked the Yankees. Oh, Sorry, man. Pedro. You, Pedro. <laughs> I know. I was hoping you said the Boston Red Sox or someone like that, but that's okay. Let's right, see. So have all that, right? You've got the Machado rumors, and they're heating up. And this guy may find a new team reportedly before the end of the All Star break. But on top of that, you also have the Jacob Degrom rumors, which are just messed up. I mean, messed up. Somehow, the New York Mets who have two things and only two things going for them, Jacob DeGrom and Noah Syndergaard, have managed to somehow jack the entire thing up. It's gone from a theoretical thing, a hypothetical thing, like maybe the Mets would consider trading one of them, to now DeGrom's agent suggesting, you know what, go ahead and do it. Go ahead and follow through. It probably is the best idea. Because DeGrom's agent told the Athletic, quote, if the Mets don't share the same interest, we believe their best course of action is to seriously consider trade opportunities now. The inertia of the current situation could complicate Jacob's relationship with the club and creates an atmosphere of indecision. Quote, end of quote. Extremely well played, Mets. How New York Mets of them? You've got a guy with an ERA of 168. You're paying this guy under seven and a half mil per year. And somehow you've gotten yourself into a position where now you may have to trade him. Brilliant. Brilliant. You know, I want to continue with this thought, but I can't. I'm sorry. I just can't. I'm really distracted. Like, I want to lay out the Mets and talk about how truly incompetent they are as an organization, but I can't. And the reason I can't is I need a quick moment to talk about Bryce Harper's dad again. Holy crap, this dude's jacked. In the first round, I thought for a second, hey, that's pretty cool. Bryce Harper got Mr. Universe 
to pitch to him. But no, that's not who that is. That's Pops Harper. I mean, sure, Bryce Harper's 19 bombs were pretty impressive, but not nearly as impressive as Ron Harper's 19-inch pythons. That was a home run derby and a gun show all at once. If you're not at a TV set right now, I suggest you get to one because the stills on this are insane and they still do not do this guy justice. Yoked, jacked, ripped, shredded, swole, whatever lifter lingo you want to use, Ron Harper embodies it. Mr. Harper, again, is all about the gains. The answer is yes. And the question is, do you even lift, bro? Did you get a load of these? I understand this guy is an iron worker by trade, but are you sure it's working with iron and not just getting paid to pump iron? No, I mean, seriously. According to the Washington Post, he's a card-carrying member of the Reinforcing Iron Workers Local 416. But he's also got to be a card-carrying member of Gold's Gym. Somewhere, somewhere Ed Hockley was watching last night's derby and weeping as he did his 50th set of preacher curls. I mean, sure, I'm interested in hearing about the work that Bryce does in the cage. But not nearly as interested in hearing about the work that his old man Ron does in the gym. Hammer curls for days, son. Seated curl, incline curl, Zotman curl, you name it. Ron Harper has done it. He's hitting those buys from every single angle. Every day is bicep day for Ron Harper. This Ron Harper could curl former bull Ron Harper. And even more impressive is the fact that Ron was out there pitching after a couple of shoulder surgeries. And Ron Harper explained it in the most Ron Harper way possible. Quote, I got eight anchors in my shoulder. End quote. My man could carry eight anchors in his hands. But of course his shoulder's jacked up. No wonder. You try keeping those cement pipes attached to your torso and you see what happens. I'm surprised. Surprised this guy's shoulder hasn't ripped out of its socket altogether. And while all the focus is being directed to Ron's biceps, do not forget the tries. Because I know he isn't. You do tricep extensions and kickbacks? That's cool. Ron does skull crushers, closed grip bench, ring dips, bar dips, weighted dips. And probably does them all while wearing 300 pounds of lifting chain around his torso. He probably jogs down the street carrying Atlas stones in his hands. Sure, Bryce turned in a huge performance last night, but Ron's arms turn in a bigger performance every single day. I guess what I'm saying is, old man Ron Harper is fit. My man is really freaking fit. This guy's in his 50s now. He looks like he could bench press his son 50 times. This guy's incredible. Credit where credit's due. The entire Harper family getting positive run this morning. And they do it. The kid and the old man. My guest is Brittany Lincecum. Brittany, it's so nice to have you on. How are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Thanks Uh, for having me. It is so good to have you. I'm great. Now, there's a lot to talk to you about, but let me start right here. When your opportunity to play in the Barbasol Championship first came up, what was your initial reaction? In other words, was it a no-brainer that you wanted to do, (laughs) or did you have some questions and some concerns? I think I was in shock when Tom Murray, the owner of Barbasol Pure Silk, called me and said, hey, I have a sponsor invite. I would love for you to accept it. Um, I literally had no words. You know, I was thinking, wow, that's so cool. But then I was like, immediately, I was like, oh, my gosh, that's going to be so much pressure. Hmm. Um, So it probably took me about a week to uh, finally come up with a yes, just because talking with family, my agent, making sure it was a PGA, it was something that they would allow and and all those logistics. Um, But yeah, now that we're in, I mean, it's really a dream come true and and a huge honor to be uh, the fifth woman in the history to play in a PGA event, and I, I feel very honored. 
Brittany, let's come joining us. All right, so you did your due diligence. You talked to your family and some friends, some sponsors, your agent. So as you were talking to these people, what kind of thoughts and what kind of things were you hearing from them? Oh, man, they were all 100% for it, especially my caddy. When I called her uh, and asked her opinion on it, she was like, absolutely, we're going. Why would we not go, you know? So, uh, yeah, that was kind of cool just to, to see everyone's reaction and uh, everyone's rooting for me, which is great. All right, so the fact is you're an extremely accomplished player, as I mentioned off the top. You're a two-time major winner. So does it feel like you're stepping out of your comfort zone a little bit, or does it maybe just feel like another challenge, a slightly different challenge? You know, it's a little out of my comfort zone, but, you know, I, I grew up playing with the guys. Uh, I played on the boys' golf team. I have local guys, uh, head pros at the club that I play with all the time. So um, that's really nothing new, playing with the guys. It's more of the media attention and all the interviews and uh, all the fans are going to come out and watch. You know, it's a really good problem to have. But if I can kind of tune all that out and just play my normal game, I think I'll be all right. You know, Brittany, like you said, when you played high school golf, you played with the boys because there was not a girls team at your school. So what was it like to play on the boys team? What was that experience like? It was awesome. You know, 14, 15 years ago, there wasn't as many girls as there is now that played. So uh, playing with the girls that were softball players or volleyball players that were shooting 100 for nine holes, you know, wasn't that helpful for my game. So playing with the guys really pushed me to want to be better and uh, help me work on my game. So I think it's awesome. I think uh, even now, if, if girls play on the boys team, I think it's awesome. Well, Brittany, the truth is, growing up, it wasn't just golf either, right? I mean, you had all boys in your neighborhood. You played everything. Football, <laughs> no blood, no foul basketball. So competing in golf against the boys, it really wasn't anything new or different, was it? No, yeah. It's, it's like, it's right up my alley, to be honest. You know, I, just, I feel like I just, I've, the Diamond Resorts at the beginning of the year is a little bit of a mixed team event. So I think just playing in those kind of events, it's just, it helps your game. It, it makes me want to be better. It makes me want to play better. So one more thing about that. When you were growing up and you were playing against the boys, how did they respond typically to you? And then how did it feel to beat the boys? <laughs> Felt great. Um, <laughs> you know, the boys on my high school top golf team obviously loved me because I was number one and I helped them win. Um, but obviously the other guys, when they saw me coming, uh, weren't as acceptable. You know, they, they knew that I was gonna, it was going to be a hard day to beat me. And um, even now to this day, I see guys that are in their 30s and they're like, yeah, we play junior golf against each other used to beat up on me all the time so it's funny that people still remember that even now when they're older Brittany Lindsay come joining us all right so let's talk about this week you're known for bombing it how do you go about approaching the keen trace course uh gotta bomb it even further right <laughs> um yeah they got two inches of rain last night so the golf course is really really wet so obviously not getting any roll so the 7,300 yards is going to play all of it and um you know if I can just keep it in play keep it in the fairway uh you know I'm going to have six irons, maybe five irons into a few of the greens, but um, still take advantage of the par fives, and, and that's where I need to uh, make the birdies for sure. You know what? You were so positive and so upbeat and so energetic. You know, I go back to 2003, and that's, that's a long time ago. It was 2003. <laughs> but when Annika Sorenstam played in the Colonial, she experienced some pushback back then, even to the extent that Vijay Singh threatened mm -hmm. to withdraw if he was paired with her. So let me ask you, social media, Twitter can be a pretty nasty place where people <laughs> spit venom, they hide behind their keyboards. What has the response <laughs> been like that you have received? Honestly, 100%, I have not had to block anybody. You know, I was, that was one of my biggest concerns when this opportunity came my way. Um, I just, you know, I didn't want the backlash from... Uh, fans and everything. So everyone's been fantastic. It's awesome. Uh, I got to play nine holes today. Every PGA guy that I've met, uh, some even coming out of their way to introduce themselves to me and to welcome me here. And, um, you know, I mean, that's really just a dream come true, you know, to have, have them coming up to me, you know, saying, it's great to have you here. Um, I mean, I couldn't ask for a better week. So how's that track playing and how did today go? Uh, today was great. I played uh, with a guy who Monday qualified. So um, neither one of us um, have really been in this position before, so we really had a great time and um, just we had a, a played great actually. You know, the golf course is uh, not super narrow off the tee, which is great, so I can hit a lot of drivers and have a little bit of wiggle room, which is nice. And um, but yeah, the golf course is great. Just need to take take advantage of the par fives and make the birdies there. Brittany Linscombe joining us for a few more moments. You know, I know you're focused on the golf, but at the same time, there are going to be young girls who will be watching and looking mm -hmm. to you as a role model. So how much pride do you take in the fact that you know there are young people that are looking up to you now? Oh, my gosh, that's so cool. You know, I met a dad and a daughter at the U.S. Open this year that said um, that he wanted to bring his daughter out to this event, but she didn't really want to come, and then she found out I was playing, so now they came today. So, um, I mean, that's pretty cool. So anytime you can influence any child, it's pretty amazing, especially a, a young girl. 
Uh, we're always trying to get more girls into the game of golf, whether it's on a social level or a professional level. Um, golf is just such a wonderful game that you can take into the rest of your life, even until you're 100. So it's great. Yeah, Brittany, I know you're not showing up this week just to tee it up and fill out that field. You're a competitor. You want to do as well as you possibly can. So finally, what's a successful week in your mind? Is it about how you play and what you shoot, or maybe is it about something else? You know, I just really want to go out and have a good time. Maybe learn a few things from the PGA guys that I can kind of take back to the LPGA. And, um, you know, obviously I would love to shoot around par, under par. I would love to make the cut. But at the end of the day, you know, I've got lots of friends and family here that are supporting me, and it's just cool to kind of see everybody coming together rooting for me. And, um, you know, win, lose, or draw, I'm just going to have a good time with it and and, uh, embrace it. Good for you. I think it's awesome. A two-time major winner, eight-time winner on the LPGA Tour, and she is going to play in the PGA Barbasol Championship this week and becomes just the fifth female professional to compete in a PGA Tour event. Brittany, so nice to have you on. Have a great week and really nice to meet you. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It is smack-off week. This guy wants to RSVP. Rich, copyright hills, old school. Rich, good morning. Romy Rome. Man, it is a great week to be a jungle clone. I feel it, man. It's big. All the major sports have already concluded. Baseball is in the all-star break. We had Serena Williams apologizing to women that for after 10 months, she just had a kid. Ten months later, she can't win a Grand Slam, but got right at the doorstep. Oh, my God. The translation is, just wait till the next one. I'm going to be back and destroy all of you. That's what I heard. So, listen, man, the smack-off's imminent. It's here. It'll be a spectacle of enormous magnitude, of course. And you know me, Romy. I am an old-school jungle guy. And in my opinion, there's no school like the old school. And you then smack of the bloody old master. Since the first time I got in the jungle, Romy, I waited on hold for what seemed like a lifetime. Got run a few times. Went in the yard many more times than that. I was banned from the jungle for the better part of a month. Redeemed. Lost. Tested by fire. Disappeared. Reappeared. And now, despite me having the capacity to exhibit sound judgment, I throw caution to the wind and choose the RSVP for a spot in the Midsummer Clone Classic Smack Off 2018. As evidence, Hereof, Romy, I present to you. That's not a good call. No. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. Not a very good call. If a guy calls to RSVP and he gets run, what does that signify? It signifies the sound of the chopper. Don't you ever think or assume, much less say, Did I cover the old school? Did I favor the old school? That's rich in copyright hills. That guy was here when I was on my way up. That guy was here when this show was a Southern California institution. That guy was here back in the day. And he was simply calling to say, Rome, I appreciate you and the institution that is the smack off. And to let you know that I will be there Friday. Oh, no, you won't, Richard. Because you just got helicoptered. I don't know, bro. I mean, I got so much respect for you and appreciation for you. But if you call with a call like that, the week of the smack off, do you really expect me to put you on the air that day with that? Some random Serena Williams take? Not making any sense? Crappy cell signal? Sounding a little incoherent? Not altogether lucid? In fact, bro, don't hate. Don't go away angry. In fact, you should be thanking me. I saved you from you. I saved you from them. That was love, Richard. That was love. It's not personal. You know, like my old man back in the day fired me from the family business. That was not personal. He was saving me from me. Said that I would come and thank him later, which I did because I got back into this business, which I should have never left in the first place. Hey. Business is business. Business is business. A, Rich. Sorry about that, bro. You're more than welcome to listen on Friday. Looky here. Jay Stew. Jay freaking Stew. Mr. Automatic. Jason Stewart calling with the RSVP. Stew, what's going on? How are you? Jim, great to hear your voice. I hope you're doing well. And, uh, you know, I, I've been getting so much traffic on Twitter about this. Are you going to participate? And 
The answer is, Jim, if you'll have me, I'm, I won't miss it. I'm not going to miss Friday. There's been, what, 23 of these. And besides yourself, I don't think that there's been anyone more involved in the smack-off as an employee or a listener or a caller than me, and I'm not going to miss this one. So um, the only thing I really haven't done as it pertains to the smack-off is win it. So I definitely uh, plan on doing that on Friday. Um, I don't want to give up too much of my call, Jim, but uh, I'll save it for Friday, but I'm going to finish the following joke. Uh, What do you get when the CEO of Papa John's, Kramer from Seinfeld, and Marge Schott walk into a bar? Um, And I'm also going to become the first person to ever enter the smack off uh, on two tickets. I will call later on uh, tomorrow and qualify as a golden ticket member as Rex and Albuquerque as well. So everyone look forward to that, and I will see you Friday. Nice job, Stu. Go ahead and rack them, Alvin. See you on Friday. Stu, of course, you're welcome to call. Of course, you're a part of the event. And Stu's got a point. If you're listening right now and you do not know who that is, that's Jason Stewart. Jason Stewart called this show way back in the day. He called the first smack off. He participated as a caller. He then got a job on the show. He worked for this show for a number of years. He was a great, great employee. Tremendous employee. He booked the show. He became a movie star while appearing on this show. He's got a long and storied background with the program. So Stu, who's moved on to other things, several other things, when he calls up and says, hey, am I still welcome? Can I be a part of this? Hell yes. All day long, Stu. Would love to have you. Jason Stewart, in on Friday, set up a joke. He's going to complete the joke on Friday. And he might even call in as Rex in Albuquerque to rip a golden ticket. Nobody has ever participated on two separate tickets in the smack off. All right, Stu, nice job. Good night now! Change is strong, and you can experience it at Gold's Gym. For a limited time only, join the most supportive and dedicated community in fitness for just $1. Get access to the latest cardio and strength equipment, the best group exercise classes, and expert personal trainers dedicated to your success. A stronger you is waiting at Gold's Gym today. Tap the banner now for a free pass. Offer ends February 29th. Valid with select new memberships at participating locations only. Commitment required. Annual fee and other restrictions may apply.